97.9 The Hill, WCHO, and the UNC Hustman School of Journalism and Media present Sports Focus with Charlie Tuggle. Sports Focus, dedicated to in-depth examination of issues of overriding importance in the sports world. Each week, we'll discuss problems and look for solutions in professional, collegiate, and amateur sports. From Carroll Hall on the Carolina campus, here's your host, UNC journalism professor, Charlie Tuggle. Welcome to Sports Focus. Our topic today, the return of sports to college campuses. Our guest, Amy Perko, the CEO of the Knight Commission on Intercollegiate Athletics. So, Amy, before we get into uh, the meat of things, congratulations. You're the recent recipient of the Dick Enberg Award for promoting the uh, values of education and academics. And what a time to be promoting those values, no? Oh, absolutely. It's well, well, first, it's a, it's a great honor to receive that award. Uh, Dick Emberg was certainly a special person and he cared deeply about using the platform he had to promote education through sports. And uh, so uh, tremendously honored to receive that award from the um, College Sports Information Directors of America. Certainly, uh, college sports is something we all care about, and there's never been a time, you know, over my 25 years working on these issues, there have, that there have been so many issues um, and significant issues impacting college sports in the future. You know, obviously, the pandemic uh, being the front, uh, the, 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 the biggest topic right now, and hopefully this is a temporary issue, but, but there are major issues that the, the model for Division I sports will look very different a year from now, and it's not just because of the pandemic. All right, so uh, the commission did uh, set out a set of guidelines related to the reopening. I'd like to walk through those, but uh, interspersed in that, some recent developments that have happened and how those developments might impact some of these guidelines. So the, the first guideline, number one, well, uh, it makes a lot of sense. The NC2A is uh, made up of its member institutions. So let the presidents decide. That, that is the model that should be the case uh, all the time, right? Coronavirus yeah, or no coronavirus. Absolutely. And, and again, the guidelines that, that we issued earlier this week, um, you know, really recognizing that um, the, the pandemic is in a, a different state and in different areas of the country. And, and um, these decisions that university leaders are making, they're not just athletics decisions. These are campus decisions. And, um, you know, the, the, one of the founding principles of the Knight Commission's work, which really has been, as you noted, focused on prioritizing the education, health, safety, and success of of college athletes um, is really centered on the fact that, you know, presidents are ultimately in charge of their universities and, and must be the primary decision makers as it relates to athletics. So these decisions, you know, you open up the paper and we'll see lots of quotes from conference commissioners and coaches about, um, you know, re-engaging in sports, but the decisions really should be made by the university president. Right. Uh, number two on the list was health first, revenue second. It, it has long been the position of the commission that it's education first, revenue second. Uh, 
So this is uh, applies to this specific situation because health hasn't really been this much at the forefront in the past. Well, you know, I would say um, a number of years ago, you know, the, the, the Knight Commission was founded back in the late 80s and, and that it's, sole focus, you know, at that time of its founding was on academics and, and education, improving the graduation rates and the overall priority given to education. Um, a number of years ago, we did um, uh, basically revisit that purpose and we added health and safety to it um, because of the growing risk concerns around concussion and um, you know, the awareness of uh, long-term medical issues that, that could occur uh, through participation in uh, certain uh, collegiate sport, particularly those that are high contact. So this is, uh, you know, in keeping with, as I mentioned, our um, purpose that was updated a number of years ago, that is the education, health, safety, and success of college athletes. That's the kind of the guiding star and in this this guideline basically says, you know, sure there are monetary um, concerns here, and there's also public pressure to try, try to get back to some kind of normal in, in our society and and see sports again. Um, but the number one priority here, in terms of how, uh, when, if, when, and how to re-engage college sports, the number one priority is minimizing the health and safety risk of college athletes as well as the staff and university community. And that should take priority over any monetary concerns and public pressure. So number three is onboarding protocols. And I would assume that has something to do with testing. <clears throat> what we've seen recently is uh, lots of uh, positive cases at UNC, Ohio State, uh, other universities and have caused them to draw back a little bit with, uh, with some of their voluntary practices and stuff. So what exactly, what sort of onboarding protocols? Yeah, you know, and this is, um, I would say uh, th this guideline as well as the, the earlier one we just talked about, there are a number of um, health professionals, public health organizations, as well as organizations like the American College Health Association, the, um, the NCAA, and the National Athletic Trainers Association, they've all put out, you know, really in incredible information um, about minimizing risk and protocols. And, and our advice really was to reference, you know, those uh, professionals in following the protocols you know, I would add our, you know, commission is made up of university presidents, uh, university general counsel, former college athletes, uh, one who's involved, heavily involved with the NFL and the NFL protocols. And, you know, one of the things that was highlighted here is, is really the education responsibility that universities have in, in helping, you know, athletes to understand the information about how to reduce the risk and that really should be part of the onboarding before athletes start coming back to campus so that they're well aware of all those risks and how to uh, minimize that before they get back to campus. Sports Focus, we'll be right back. 
You're listening to Sports Focus with Charlie Tuggle. And now back to the show. Welcome back to Sports Focus. We're talking with Amy Perko of the Knight Commission on Intercollegiate Athletics about the return of intercollegiate athletics. And Amy, I just wanted to jump in. Uh, we were talking about the specific uh, guidelines related to reopening that the commission has uh, issued. Some things that have that bear on the reopening or the return of sports is number one, the Ivy League deciding no fall sports, no sports until until January. And, you know, there are two ways to look at that. The Ivy League has a different model than most other leagues. But in the spring, the Ivy League was the first domino to fall. And then quickly, lots of other things shut down. So, um, and, and then that gets us to, you know, what about shutting down? What about Title IX? Uh, because a lot of the spring sports that, that were affected obviously involve women's teams. You yourself played women's basketball at Wake Forest. So mm-hmm. what do the presidents and the athletics directors need to do to make sure that Title IX is followed while making all these other huge decisions that, that the, the factors in those decisions change just about every day? Yeah, great, great question. Um, just going back in, uh, to the Ivy League um, decision that was announced yesterday, um, you know, there was a, a Division Three conference, the Centennial Conference. They announced the same, um, the same policy. Um, the Patriot League, which, you know, also is most of those institutions are in the Northeast, they, they've decided, um, made a different decision for now, and those are very academically elite institutions, um, Division I schools, and they've decided to start their sports schedules earlier than usual and try to finish them up earlier. So, you know, I think overall with comparing the decisions that are being made, particularly the Ivies, a number of their institutions had decided you know, to go mostly online in the fall. So again, those are, it's the athletics decisions, I think of those conferences really do reflect what's happening with their student body and how they're, how with the decisions they've made uh, consistent across the campus. Um, As it relates specifically to Title IX, one of our guidelines was to, uh, in fact, in any decisions that are made um, to protect and preserve, um, to try to really protect and preserve the sports opportunities that are provided. And and in the event of unavoidable reductions in scholarships and sports to ensure compliance with Title IX. So we have seen, you know, unfortunately a number of schools have dropped uh, sports because of the financial pressures. And again, the guidance here is, you know, uh, we, we would hope that would be a last resort um, but certainly Title IX still must be, uh, you know, there still must be compliance in terms of the number of sports that are offered. Um, and then, you know, another part of this is, you know, the, the COVID-19 related health and safety policies and practices that, that campuses do employ should treat all athletes equally. So just as an example, you know, if, if schools are bringing back all their fall sports, um, they can't provide testing and certain protocols for 
football players and not extend those same types of uh, protections and protocols for uh, women's volleyball, just as an example. And, um, you know, certainly all indications are that schools are uh, following those guidelines. But, you know, as this uh, situation continues to worsen, uh, hopefully it starts to get better. But there, I, I suspect there will be more pressure, more financial pressure. And so, again, it's just a guidance to, to uh, continue to comply with Title IX. Number six, uh, that takes care of number four and number five. So number six has to do with racial disparities, health disparities. I mean, the data show clearly that the black community is more affected by COVID than, the, uh, than other uh, citizens in the U.S., other residents in the U.S. So how, do you, how would you do that as an as a, um, athletics department? Well, again, our, our sixth guideline really just, just po points that out that, you know, college football is obviously um, the sport in the fall that has the largest number of participants. And the, the data show, uh, the data are clear that among FBS institutions, the, the great majority of those athletes participating in college football are uh, persons of color from, from the black communities that are being, um, have a disproportionate impact uh, health related from this, this uh, COVID-19. So again, our guideline was to, you know, to, to obviously emphasize that, recognize that, and that when college presidents are making these decisions to ensure that any reopening decisions and, and the protocols uh, that, that are in place certainly don't do anything to exacerbate that disproportionate impact, but rather reduce it and, and to recognize it in, in whatever, um, you know, types of health protocols and, and benefits they put in place. Sports Focus, we'll be right back. You're listening to Sports Focus with Charlie Tuggle. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to Sports Focus. We're talking with Amy Perko of the Knight Commission about the return of uh, sports to college campuses. Amy, we mentioned uh, a couple of leagues that have decided not to have sports in the fall. Uh, you mentioned one that, that uh, is going to have sports. The Liberty League also has decided you know, to go ahead with sports. Uh, most of the competition will be against other league opponents with just a couple of games against non-league opponents. But I wanted to spend the rest of our time talking about number seven, the spending cuts, which we know are going to come. You mentioned at the very beginning that the, the look of college sports is going to be different. I mean, Stanford is going to cut 11 sports and not, uh, not just sailing and, and sports that you can only do on the coast, wrestling field hockey, uh, ECU cut several sports already. So what, uh, you know, I know you, you don't have a crystal ball, but how, to what degree is COVID-19 going to change the complexion of, of college sports? Well, you know, I think this is, is uh, a big issue. And I think COVID-19, I, I think Division One college sports, if you can use the illustration, was being torn at the seams. There were already a lot of strains on Division I college sports. We're talking about a financial model that includes schools, 
that have $4 million budgets in athletics competing in the same division of schools with $204 million budgets. Um, and, and obviously basketball is the glue that, that holds that entire 350 school division together. Um, but, you know, it's been our view and, and we announced back in December that we were going to examine the division one structure um, because we felt like it was time for an overhaul uh, in the structure um, for a number of reasons. Uh, this pandemic has really, I think, accelerated and, and has uh, exacerbated the tensions and the pressures that were already there for lots of other reasons. Um, so, you know, even if you take the FBS football division, um, you know, schools in the ACC compared to schools in the um, American like East Carolina, um, those, those groupings of schools have two very different business models. One really relies heavily on uh, television revenues and ticket sales, and the other relies on student fees to, to support the, the, the majority of the budget. So, you know, there's a lot of strains. And then within that, there are things that kind of the division one structure requires schools to do that doesn't make a whole lot of sense from a financial standpoint. Um, these conferences uh, that, that were realigned uh, about a decade ago did so for the football footprint but it doesn't make much sense to fly your baseball and softball teams all over the country um, and, and never play uh, regional uh, division one opponents because they're not in the same conference. So um, one of the things that the pandemic is, is allowing is, is actually allowing schools to reimagine um, some ways of doing business that are more cost efficient. And so, um, a lot of these, uh, you know, geographically spread out, spread out conferences have made decisions to, you know, reduce uh, the number of conference games, allow more flexibility in, in how to offer competition. You know, recruiting is, is becoming more online. Um, conference meetings, uh, everybody's doing things virtually in ways that, you know, I think that that will continue in college sports, but I think the competitions, you know, the, the, you can still provide athletes a really quality uh, experience, but do so in a more cost efficient way that makes a, a lot more sense uh, for sports and not just doing it because this is the way we've always done it. And this is what we do. You know, this is who we compete against in football. So this is who we need to compete against in tennis, volleyball, and, and uh, baseball. So th those are examples of kind of the inefficiencies the system has. And, and, and now that, you know, the, the pandemic has caused folks to rethink the way they do that, you know, I think it will have some lasting impacts in rethinking um, the Division One model. And perhaps uh, temporary decisions like those at Michigan to uh, coaches and, and uh officials taking salary reductions, uh, the spending on extravagant facilities, maybe this will lead to longer term changes. And that does it for this edition of Sports Focus. Thanks to our guest, Amy Perko. Thanks also to producer Chip Sweeney. And as always, thanks to you for listening. Cheers. Cheers.
Thanks to Richard Southall, Mark Nagel, and Deborah Southall at the College Sport Research Institute at the University of South Carolina for their research and guidance and for access to CSRI's international network of sources. Sports Focus is a service of UNC's Hussman School of Journalism and Media. 